Hey, welcome to the Healthcare Marketing Underground podcast for the week of June 19th, 2015. This is episode 261, and I am Chris Bevelo, EVP at Revive Health. With me today are Adam Meyer and Chris Boyer. And a special guest from Revive Health, Jessica Blackburn. Hi, Jessica. Hi. Thank you for joining us. So excited to be here. This is your first time in Minneapolis? Yes. My first time to the Minneapolis office and to the city, which I've had a great experience so far. So love being here. Good time to come. It's been good weather. and Super excited to join the podcast. Weather's been great. Some good food. Yes. Where did you eat? Um, I went to the 112 eatery. Oh, oh nice. Just kind of slid oh. in at the isn't bar. That, that's one of your favorites, isn't that's it? That's a great place. An awesome spot. Yeah. So awesome. from your from your accent, you must be from like Canada or? Uh, close. <laughs> a little further <laughs> south. <laughs> Nashville. So okay. I'm one of the, uh, I think, a few uh, natives to our um, headquarters. And so Revive Health, we've got almost 50 employees, and I think I'm one of maybe three that are native to the Nashville area. So, oh, But we have most of our employees in Nashville, ironically. Yes. More people there than in Minneapolis or yeah. Santa Barbara combined. It tends, it's, you know, it's such a healthcare mecca. There's all these transplants of folks that move to Nashville to get in or to stay in the healthcare business or to grow, you know, within healthcare network. So I get to be one of the lucky few locals. Um, so. so you've been there your whole life? Yeah. Wow, life. that's cool. And that, and what do you call that? A Nashvilleian? Yes. Nashvilleite? Nashvilleian. 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 So like what do you that. what do you do? What is yeah. let the audience know what you do for Revive Health? So um, I am the vice president of marketing, and uh, my goal every day is just to continue to generate brand awareness for our agency and to make sure that we are becoming our own best case study. So we um, are a strategic communications firm, as everybody knows, and we want to make sure that we are representing ourselves well. So, and we got work with uh, really closely with our chief marketing officer, with all of our senior level leadership, and with our internal marketing teams. Kind of the front line of communication when folks decide they want to uh, talk with Revive. Well, understand as, a little more as about opposed us. to this podcast. I mean, I, I also <laughs> think that we're like sort of the front line of communication too. I think you guys are taking over. We are, yeah, but we're more reactive, subtle, implicit. Not proactive, covert, explicit. underground, if you Undergr- will. Underground, mm. if you will. <laughs> I love Hopefully, not too see underground. What you did there? We don't want to be too underground. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. Yes. We're gonna. Thanks um, for having me. We're gonna go through some just some announcements real quick, and then we'll dive into some topics that I know Jessica, you will be very interested in. Yeah. We've personalized speaking redundantly or coincidentally right. personalized. Like yes. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Personalize this agenda just for you. Uh, so first of all, one big announcement is that we have announced the date and the place for the 2015 Joe Public Retreat, which is super exciting. Yes. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, uh, this will be the third Joe Public Retreat we've done. Uh, and really what we're trying to do is create almost a camp-like experience. That's how I describe mm-hmm. it. So if you went to camp as a kid and you remember, you know, people remember that for the rest of their lives, the people they went to camp with, the experience, all that. Right. That's what this is all about. It's an immersive experience. Uh, we cap it at only 20 attendees right. because we want to make sure that people feel that closeness to their peers mm-hmm. that, they're, that they're there with. Also so that we can customize the content to what they really want to um, talk about. So this is not like a typical conference. It's not like Shushmid or HCIC, which are great, right. where you go and you have loads of options to go hear people speak. 
Uh, this is this is more of a, a consultation, really. Uh, some people have called it therapy, group therapy. In the past, mm-hmm. we should actually use that marketing person in, I like it. in promotion because that's what it is. Uh, and the folks that have been through this before uh, really feel like, hey, I got to hear from experts in the field, but also from my peers who are going mm-hmm. through the same mm-hmm. bleep that I'm going through. Right. Right. So this year, um, I'm going to be joined by Chris Boyer. Yes. Thank you for joining me, sir. Absolutely. Uh, in the past, it was primarily myself, and then we had some support people come in right. and uh, spread the content out this way. But Chris and I are going to be leading this, and really the content's going to revolve around what the what the attendees want, but what are those things that are keeping you up at night as a marketing leader? Right. Uh, so that could be how do we transform our department to embrace the new paradigm? How do I deal with the CEO who's a crackpot? Uh, how do I deal with shrinking budgets? Mm-hmm. Those big, big picture items where Chris and I have a lot of experience with that, right. uh, both from the outside and inside mm-hmm. uh, of dealing with that. Uh, we also have a lot of experience with change management, which usually plays a role in any kind of big uh, issue like that. But then again, we're going to have great uh, attendees who folks will learn from as much from Chris and I. Exactly. And then uh, keeping with the camp theme, at the end of the first day, we're going to make s'mores and sing Kumbaya, and I'll accompany them with my ukulele. You definitely are bringing your ukulele. Okay. That is an absolute must. (laughs) Uh, Let's get some details here. So the dates for this are uh, September 9th through 11th. Yes. And it is at a resort called the Half Moon Bay. Now, is that a picture of it right there? That is that a picture of it. It is, is insane. insane. Isn't it amazing? That's, it looks like it's in a foreign land. That's enough for you to just land. sign up right there. Yeah, it <laughs> is. beautiful. That is an amazing. We couldn't afford the full moon, so we, we decided to go for the half moon day. <laughs> right, right. So um, we'll send you, we'll put a link uh, mm-hmm. on. Show notes. Yes. And do we have a redirect up? Yeah. So you can go to joepublicretreat.com. Thank that'll, you. That'll take you there. Nice. Yes. Yeah. And for those that aren't familiar with the exact geography of Half Moon Bay, it's about 20 miles south of San Francisco. So real easy oh, okay. in and out there. Um, right on the ocean. Mm-hmm. It, it looks great. Gorgeous. Clear air to clear your mind and dig in and fix yeah. things. That's ha- half that. Well, we said this last time. Knowing is half the battle, right? <laughs> That's right. The experience is half the battle here. Getting yeah, away yeah. from the world. Uh, being in a place where you can walk out and just like sit in front of the Pacific Ocean and watch the shoreline yeah. and that just clears your mind i was just gonna i was just gonna say if you've never officially cleared your mind before if you can't clear your mind there something, right. something's wrong with you um, right i always like when i attend things like uh retreats and conferences it's like, it's like sometimes you just need to recharge or refresh or kind of revitalize like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's almost sounds cliched but it does you get brand new ideas you get brand new thinking you go back with like a new energy yes so i try to make right. it a point to at least do you know two to three of those kind of excursions and journeys each year yeah, and that's exactly what the point of having right. it at a place like Half Moon Bay is. The resort is all about, um, and we have, you know, again, we've done this before, and we have uh, attendees who, in the past, have made, you know, hey, they stay for the weekend. Mm-hmm. So this is a Wednesday through a Friday, mm-hmm. stay through Sunday, take some personal days because you're there already. Actually, isn't that right before Labor Day weekend? It is after. Right after. It's right after Labor it's Day. It's after weekend. Labor Day weekend. Okay. Yes. Oh, I was hoping to get a, yes, it three is. days out of that. But <laughs> no, no. Well, hey, you, you go might, ahead and take yourself three. <laughs> That's right. So we really hope uh, folks will join us. Like I said, we capped this at 20 attendees so we okay. can keep that intimate uh, mm-hmm. experience uh, and make sure that we can customize and personalize as much as possible. We just started promoting this last week, and we're already right. at 25% full. I know. Mm-hmm. So is- it goes fast. 
So if you're interested, go to JoePublicRetreat.com. Yep, you can register right there. Right. Uh, it costs $4,000 a person. That's all inclusive. Other than the airfare, it includes everything. It includes your hotel for two nights. Mm -hmm. It includes the entire experience, all your food, all your drink. You will be pampered and taken care of, as well as knocked about the head with amazing content right. and insights from your peers. So right. really kind of a one-of-a-kind experience, we think. Uh, so we hope you can join us. Uh, Best if you're, you know, the more senior level you are, the more I think you'll get out of it. But it really right. is open to anybody. Uh, so we hope you'll join us. Yeah, it's going to be good. I mean, the yeah. two of us leading leading people through, but learning from your peers, it's going to be really, really a good immersive experience. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think the best proof of that, we've got some quotes on, on the site that mm -hmm. from people who have attended in the past. Mm -hmm. But I think we have the most excitement for this upcoming retreat from the people who have already been. <clears throat> right. People who want to come back again. And I think that says a lot about what this experience does. So yeah, great. So okay, so we awesome. got that. Uh, one more announcement because this is now starting to creep up on us. I will be at the Texas Hospital Association's Healthcare Strategic Communications Summit in Austin, Texas, speaking on August sixth, seventh. Where am I speaking? August. I'm looking at the agenda. <laughs> August sixth. So uh, my presentation is titled, So I've Engaged My Audience, Now What? Which is a nice segue into our first talker. Right. Because the now what is really personalized marketing, what we're defining as personalized marketing. Uh, and we have been working quite hard over the last few months here at Revive to really shape our point of view on that. Uh, we're going to have some thought content we're going to put out relatively quickly, I would say, within right. the next month or so. Exactly. Um, but Chris, yeah. let's talk a little bit about personalized marketing, personalized what marketing. we mean by that, yeah. uh, and why we're excited about well, it. Well, I, mean, I think a lot of people define personalized marketing. You can Google it. There's a Wikipedia page around that. But I think from our perspective, personalized marketing is something that is kind of in alignment with what we're doing, um, what you've been advocating for a long time, Chris, around transforming your marketing communications efforts, embracing digital, embracing content. Really, the goal here is we want to start developing a communication strategy, marketing communication strategy that will allow us to, to identify what the individual needs are of each, everybody that we serve and start to serve relevant, interesting content to them throughout their entire life cycle, throughout the entire engagement with them. Um, and that, you know, when we think about it in healthcare, we're sometimes talking about truly a life cycle, right, from cradle to grave. In many cases, in many communities, you're serving the same individuals. So what we're do, what the platform is, is around the technologies around it. What are the technologies that you need in your organization and the philosophies, the processes, the things that you need to do retool your organization to start to look at personalized marketing in, in a deep way? Yeah. Um, so yes, I'm, nice. Yeah. So I mean, and we've defined kind of our our point of view around this. Our views are around technology, around the different levels of personalized marketing, and maybe Chris, you want to kind of go a little bit into the different well, levels. We might touch on it. I mean, yeah. I think that's part of the thought content that we're finalizing. Right. You know, the way to put it in like a quick soundbite is it's getting the right content to the right people at the right time. Right. <clears throat> uh, in a perfect world, if you could wave a magic wand, personalized marketing would lead to every individual that you are targeting in any stakeholder audience right. would receive content customized to them that's distinct from every other individual. Now, that's utopian. Uh, I don't think that's coming anytime soon. No. But the goal is to push as closely to that as possible. Uh, and, you know, this may sound like relationship marketing. We've intentionally titled it something else because as soon as you say relationship marketing, you think customer relationship management, you think CRM Huge component of personalized marketing, part of it, yeah. but not the only 
part of it. Uh, and if all you're focused on is CRM, then you're missing other components uh, of what you need for personalized marketing. So the right. four technologies, uh, yeah. which we won't get into a huge detail, and I want to, Jessica, weigh in on some of this because that's, yeah. hey, this is your area, right? Absolutely. Um, but the four technologies for hospitals and health systems are CRM, so customer mm -hmm. relationship management platform, marketing automation platform, right. your CMS, so your content management system of your website, mm -hmm. and your EMR, so your electronic mm -hmm. medical record. And usually that plays a role through your patient <clears throat> right. portal, but, but a lot of it is the data that's in the EMR that is a source for personalized marketing, and also the patient portal offers opportunities as a channel for it. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, those aren't surprising technologies to anybody. Uh, but how they play together is critical. How you can evaluate, to Chris's point earlier, about we've developed three levels of personalized marketing. Where are you at? Mm -hmm. And then how do you move to the next level? Uh, and then specifically for your own organization, how are you going to go about this? I think yeah. um, two quick things, and I'm going to, Jessica, I'm going to throw it to you. One is this really is the answer to so I've engaged them, now what? Right. I mean, we have been on the engagement horse for years now. Joe Public talked about that. Joe Public, too, has a chapter dedicated to it. It's all about engaging people. But we really kind of left it there, like, hey, once you've engaged them, success. But really, once you've engaged them, you've just begun. Right. Now, what the heck do we do? If we're engaging folks in the right way, what do we do with that? And that's where personalized marketing uh, comes in. And so, so that's important. And the other thing that's important is when you think about it from a personalized marketing standpoint, uh, it'll help you step back when you're making big decisions uh, with the technologies we're talking about. So our audience usually can't dictate what happens with an EMR, usually just stuck with somebody else deciding that. Yeah. But you do decide what CMS you're using for your website. You do decide what CRM you're gonna use. Mm -hmm. You do decide what marketing automation platform you wanna leverage. And a lot of times folks go into that almost with a myopic viewpoint of right. CRM, 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 I got it. And they're not thinking about, okay, now a year later, I'm going to have to bridge in marketing automation. Have I just trapped myself right. into a platform, CRM platform that doesn't work or a vendor that's not going to let me use the, the marketing automation platform I want, or even worse, use the CRM platform I want because it's a competing vendor. Really have to take a look at this from a holistic perspective so that when you're making decisions on any of these, you understand how it might impact you down yeah. the road. And I think even before you start thinking about technology and kind of the, it is a daunting task of understanding which tools are right. It's like, do I know exactly who my audience is? Do I know who I'm talking to? Do I know what channels I'm going to be communicating with them through? How do they like to receive information? So, I mean, I always like to kind of keep things simple when I think about it from a holistic perspective and take a step back and think, okay, if I was the audience, if this was me, if I was a, um, you know, a patient that had a recent surgery or if I was a diabetic or like what channels do I get my information through? What's going to be helpful to me? And then I'll start thinking through, okay, what's the best tool to deliver that? What, you know, then I'll start maybe tapping my peer groups or, you know, doing research around, is this, is this um, system maybe more sophisticated than I need? But I think that's key when you talk about personalized marketing is the topics and the relevance and understanding who your audience is. So, and I think that's really important. I mean, if you think about it in, in, in the healthcare space, People are interacting with your health system in many different ways. There's like a million ways they can interact with you. And sometimes they're interacting in ways that you don't even know, right? Yeah. They're Googling you. They're going to seminars. They're maybe getting health information from Dr. Oz, heaven forbid. Sorry. <laughs> didn't mean that. It happens. Yeah, but, you know. WebMD. And, right, exactly. WebMD. 
And there's a variety of different ways that, you know, through social media, through all these different avenues. And it's like, how do you, how do you get through all of that clutter? I think that's the first component of this, right? Yeah. And it's absolutely, you can't take one message and just push it out and expect everybody to it resonate with them and expect that, oh, that, that makes sense. Because no, they're thinking about it through a very specific lens. You talked about the life cycle, um, what they need. And I think if you can really pinpoint um, what you want to say, what you know your, um, will resonate with your audience, then you can kind of back out and think about um, channels and technology right. to deliver that. Right. And that's the beauty of having all of these systems in place and communicating with one another because now you've got what it takes to actually deliver yeah. that very personalized message to those individuals. And at the end of the day, you know, I've, I've done B2C marketing, B2B marketing, B2G marketing, right? Like it's, it's B2, so B2G. funny. B2G. B2G? Business to government. Oh, I was going to say girls. Um, I thought I was say girls. So, <laughs> <laughs> but really at the end of the day, and you guys are going to laugh, but like everyone is human, right? It's like, oh, we get those, those folks work for the government. This, they're, they're, so it's like there's some, there's some aliens or something. No, they're human. Like this, <laughs> oh. they're going to. Except for the IRS. They're going. That's B2A. Say Oops. that. That was Chris Boyer. But wait, wait, that. new You're lingo. Audit new lingo. B to H marketing. B- business to human people. I mean, like business if, to yeah. human. Oh. So. Ding, 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 ding. Human centered. I can see the blog post now. It's got a picture of like a fawn in it, and <laughs> no, that's not human, but that's what they go. Go ahead. So, I know. I think I always think through of how do I like to receive things. What brands? I mean, like think the Uber. I mean, how awesome is it when you um, do business with Uber? Right. It's a seamless experience. They give you exactly what you need. You don't have to go out and search for anything right at your fingertips. Like, why can't more experiences be like that? Why can't more brands, you know? Well, and people are expecting that too, you know? One thing you said earlier, which really strikes home to me, is choosing the frequency and the the ways that you get information. I think that's very often overlooked. Mm -hmm. I I remember, and this is long ago, years ago, when LinkedIn sent me an email and says, I'm sending you updates on a regular basis. I think they were sending it to me every day. And they said, you're not opening our emails. So now I'm going to start to send oh. it to you on a weekly basis. LinkedIn is horrible about this. I know. I know. They're they the are. worst. I know. But I mean, the whole point, that, that promise, they didn't live up to that promise. But still, the promise of like me being able to control what I want, how I get my information, where I get my information, that's, that's going to be huge for yeah. them. Yeah. Well, and that's the power of the technology, I think, because there's tons of brands out there that I want to interact with, that I want to hear from, you know, everything from j crew to whole foods right like i want to i want to receive their information but maybe i don't want to receive it every single day or maybe i just want like a daily or monthly recap of the highlights like what's going on what do you have on sale what's interesting to me right um and that translates for me personal to professional you know there's tons of blogs out there i want to keep up with but i might not want to know every time they post something i might just want that weekly recap or monthly highlight unless it's just podcasts that's right they have to hear this podcast every week every single time right but the beauty of i mean we're delivering our messages in a vehicle that allows people to get it when they want it, listen to it when they want to listen to it. I mean, it's very, podcasts are very much, unless you want to listen to it while it's being recorded, if they do live stream, it's a very much on demand media, right? Medium. So, well, and that even um, makes me think about, and you guys tell me if this is too in the weeds, but when, um, when I think about um, our audience as Revive Health, you know, sometimes if we're uh, talking to folks that are in the hospital and health system space, they're really busy. They're with patients all day long. Mm-hmm. They've got meetings back to back. You know, maybe asking them to attend a two-hour webinar in the middle of a Tuesday is not ideal, right? Like thinking about how we can take our information, the things that we want to share that we think would be relevant with them, 
chunking it up into like five minute segments that they can watch on their iPad at night when they're sitting around with their family or, you know, you know, checking emails. So it's like making it easy for them to um, get the information, you know, engage with us but and thinking through it from their shoes. Right. I mean, that's their day. We all have. We're so busy. I mean, so and sometimes webinars make sense. Sometimes timing the right, you know, the day during the day is right. Maybe not, though. So I always like go back and rethink that when I'm talking about who I want to reach. Yeah, and I wonder if um, the webinar technology has improved enough because one of the things that used to drive me nuts about webinars was I'd like attending webinars because that's how one, we're, our next topic is about how you stay fresh. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes things come up and whatever, and so then you want you want a capture of the webinar. Yes. And right. forever, I mean, I just gave up with some of the organizations that we're all familiar with. I won't name right. them um, because what they would say is, "Well, we have to send you a CD." <laughs> and the CD is only readable by Microsoft or, right. or not um, on our PC, Macs. not right. on your Mac. And I'm like, what? This is like three years ago I'm talking, yeah, not right. just 10 years ago. Like, how difficult is it to capture a webinar and make that available to the people who have paid for it? Yeah. So to yeah. your point, Adam, it is on demand. It, it should be. What's the difference? I paid for it. Right. It's like TV. Very right? frustrating. I attended a webinar last week and had to, you know, jump off unexpectedly, but I knew, like, I was hearing, like, tons of good stuff. So I'm taking a few notes. I have to jump off. I actually take the time to go back and email the um, folks that were hosting it and asked if they could send me a copy of the deck or maybe the sound bite of it mm-hmm. and I haven't heard from them. And oh I'm like, oh, I was like, That's I really am interested in what you have to say, but it wasn't a good time for me. You know, the technology is there though, where you can, if you're watching a webinar and you drop off after a few minutes, that that it, the marketing automation platforms can actually track that and say, hey, we noticed you dropped off early. Here's a link to the full video right. that you missed. Thank you. That's where we need to be. Yes. Right. Mean, you know, it's like, I, I agree. It just drives me crazy. Uh, why are we Why are we even doing things that are we're not recording it so people can consume it at their yeah. leisure when they need to? Yeah, well, like the, this podcast. In the end, you know, we can move on to the next topic if we want. But when we talk about the levels of personalized marketing, um, the first couple of levels are going to be very familiar to hospitals yeah. and health systems. The third one really changes the whole dynamic because instead of thinking about what you're doing and, and the things that you're doing to try to connect with people, the individuals at the center. Center. And everything you're doing revolves around the individual and everything you're doing is connected to everything else so that when they log into your website, we already know if they have a place in your EMR and whether or not they sign up for this newsletter and whether they have a, a you know a <clears throat> propensity for diabetes and all those things right. so that their experience is custom to them. That's mm-hmm. the ultimate of personalized marketing. Mm-hmm. Got a ways to go to get there in a our long world, ways but, to go. But, but I mean, wow, what the opportunity is massive. Well, we hear it all the time, right? I mean, people say, "Why can't we be like Amazon? Why can't we be like you know our banks or whatever?" It's within our reach within healthcare to do that, and I think it's 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 imperative for us to do this. It's a moral imperative. I love that. <laughs> it's a moral imperative, but I think it's I think it's it's important for us to even you know to 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 fo- face this. And so some of the things that we're doing is, is going to address that and actually give, give sort of direction on how we can get there because yeah. we need to. If we can do it for our books and our lipstick and our car rides. Why can't we do it for our health? Right. But Amen. Well, Just saying. Don't butt. Don't butt. I mean, do you do it for lipstick? I mean, I order lipstick off Amazon sometimes. And so they know. Maybe it's I mean, Maybelline. Don't you? Neta Porter. I know, I know Chris orders lipstick, but not me. <laughs> Maybe that was a bad example. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, let's move on. Okay, it's okay. Let's move on. <laughs> no, it's an everyday item. It's a perfect example. Yeah, it is. It is. Perfect. Okay, so let's talk about something else that we've touched on already um, briefly, but it also ties back to the Joe Public Retreat when we were talking about how do, you, how do you get away, how do you think fresh, how do you allow yourself to actually move forward. 
because Jessica, you, you brought this up earlier this morning. That's why I thought it was a great, um, a great topic for today. How marketing is just moving at like a trillion miles an hour. It's yeah. changing constantly. So it's hard enough to just like grab onto something and, and employ it like marketing automation. I mean, just think about what it takes for an organization. We all know because we do it here. We're trying to work with our clients to do it, um, to just embrace marketing automation. Just that, just that one thing and, and what that takes. And the fact that the time it takes you to actually embrace it, it's changed right. yep. in a year because that's, <clears throat> yep. that's a nice timeline. If you're brand new to marketing automation, it's going to take you a year to a place where you feel like, okay, Absolutely. I feel pretty comfortable with this. Let's do some more of it, right? Right. Um, and now it's changed. Right. Digital everything, social media, right? Um, yep. How do you keep up with it all? So let's talk about how do, how do we keep up with it all, personally? Adam? We don't? Is that the answer? You, you, Everybody's looking you, at me Adam, like, you keep uh, up a lot on some... By the way, Nate Juarez from oh, yeah. Revive Health is in the house. Say hi, <laughs> hey, Nate. Nate. So okay, Hola. Nathan, Hola. Nathan brings in sort of a bilingual approach to what we do. Now, um, Nathan is uh, he's one of our uh, he's our designer and yeah. uh, he a photographer, and he's actually taking some really he's taking some action really shots. Great he's photos. documenting my debut on the podcast. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Very so we'll we'll try to put some of those up on our uh, various social sundries. channels. Yes, the various so, sundries. So Adam, you always seem to be up on yeah, kind of you the do. current How the hell and the do latest. Do How do you do that? Uh, well. Honestly, I honestly I one of probably one of the older when it comes to feeds that you know digital feeds that feed you probably one of the oldest tools out there in terms of the digital stuff's RSS. Mm-hmm. That's what I use. I mean, I've got a, I've got hundreds of RSS feeds that I follow. And I don't follow them all every day. I've got a few that I like will check every day. <laughs> Other ones are organized into folders where I'll pop them open and just kind of give them a look through and right. stuff. But that um, it's probably one of the main ways I stay on top of channels that I want to stay on top of because it, it brings it all into one place and centralizes it all. And I, I use Twitter and other channels too, but I don't find that they deliver, they don't quite package it the way I want it to be packaged right. so that I can consume it the way I want to consume it when I have time to consume it. So I think that the bigger is taking it like a little bit, stepping back a little bit from the actual technology, right? It's the fact that you're actually curious in these topics and you you actually went out and sought tools that are going to feed you stuff that's in the in in, right. in your topic of interest. Yeah, and I've got I've got a few like premium places that I subscribe to to get kind of insider news on a few mm-hmm. few platforms and things that I'm that I kind of focus on. Um, and those are probably some of the most valuable insights, really. So I, I mean, you know, I think that's the, that's the thing. It's really in a lot of ways, it, from my experience inside health systems, it's many of the the healthcare providers they're interested, but they don't take the time to actually go out there and seek it because they're busy. I, I get it. You got your job. You got a lot of stuff to do. But, you know, I always try to devote, devote time to research new stuff, to be interested in new stuff. To, well, the, right? a, key, a key is to love what you do, right? Oh, because well, if, you don't, if you don't love what you do and genuinely have an interest in it, an interest to the point where even when you're not, you know, quote unquote working, you still are kind of looking for that information to read, to consume, even just because it's interesting to you as an individual. Right. If you don't have that, then it's going to be really hard to stay on top of things. Right. If you if you just if this is just your job and after you know nine to five that's what you do or you know whatever your, the period is and then after that you check out and you do you know other life things which is fine yeah. cool not that there's anything yeah. wrong with that. not that there's anything wrong with that but if that's it's it's going to be very hard for you to stay on top of the things that are work related because it, they're not necessarily driving you right so I think if the, if that's the case a either maybe 
you know, personal advice, maybe reevaluate what you're doing professionally oh, and find wow. something that find something that does drive you so that you can stay on top of yeah. it with a passion. Yeah. Um, I can or, make a living playing video games. Is that what you're saying? I follow some people who do. Why can't you parlay what you love to do into what you do for a living and kind of make yeah, them blend? Find a way to so do I, it. I feel like I derive so much inspiration from, I mean, I'm passionate about marketing, passionate about healthcare, but I'm also passionate about food and fashion and like mm -hmm. fun, you know, things. So what, I always take a look at like if I'm out on the weekends, like if some if I have a great experience somewhere, like the service model that just happened, or I think I'm, I'm very conscious of the marketing that was served up to me, even though I didn't even realize as a marketer, it was just served up, right? right? right. And I'm like, how can we take those ideas exactly. and translate that for right. ourselves and our clients? Like, I mean, what? Talent borrows, genius steals. I mean, there's some great ideas out there. Why are like, people leveraging them and then making them even better or making them customized for their organizations and their um, daily life? Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like my life very much blends my work and personal. Yeah. And then even to that, I like to, um, you know, I have a lot of friends that happen to do similar things or even if they do different things, I'm like, oh, you're an attorney. Like, well, well, where do you where do you meet people? Like, where do where do people find you? Where do they find your or what's mm -hmm. their biggest challenge? Like, and then I think through like that's just interesting to me. And I don't yeah. I don't know if, I don't think it's necessarily because I'm a marketer. I just like to understand how people operate and like how they like to experience things, life, yeah. like yeah. how they do life. When in so many industries, and I think ours is a is a poster child for this, is you get you just get stuck in your industry. You know, you don't look outside for inspiration mm -hmm. and for examples of how. This could be done differently. Yeah. Um, and that's a great way to do Shake it. Shake it know? up. If, if, right. this is your, if this is your nine to five, find what is it that you really love outside of the nine to five and how can you pull inspiration from that for your, yeah. for what you do day in You day. know, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out there and I think it's true. Chris Boyer, you're going to have to, you're going to have to align with me or disagree because we're in the same boat here. <laughs> I think, choices. I think the old saying teaching an old dog new tricks is a hundred percent true. And it brings to mind to me the, if you guys read Quentin Christensen's The Innovator's Dilemma. Yeah. Basically, the, what he posits there is businesses grow to be super successful, and because of that, they can't innovate because all they're doing right. is focusing on what makes them successful right. and disrupting their own business makes no sense. Why would they want to lose money? And so they can't innovate, and then they get killed by innovation, by some right. other mm -hmm. startup. You're not growing, you're dying. That's right. Yes. And so now, now take that whole thing and apply it to lifelong learning where right. when you're young and you're eager and you're trying to find your way and you're open to anything and you're, you're just – absorbing so much and over time you start building yourself into an expert in something hopefully or that you're you have a skill in something and then you're invested in that skill because right. that's what's got you where you're at and that's where you right. want to you know to continue to grow and it becomes really difficult to to disrupt yourself mm -hmm. and so one of the things i've because that's disrupt me yourself. i mean 47 I, I feel like you have to disrupt yourself and the way i tend to do that is to take on something that I'm completely scared batshit of oh, yeah. where I, and I commit to it. Right. One of the ways I've done this over my career is like commit to speaking on a topic where I am not an expert, right. but I want to be an expert, right? Hey, I need to understand SEO and I don't have a clue, but I'm going to go speak on it in two months. So the last <laughs> thing I'm going to do is show up in front of a hundred people and look like a moron. And it yeah. forces you to actually go out there and learn. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. Disrupting yourself. Uh, because otherwise it's it's way too easy to get comfortable. It's way too easy to say, well, this is my niche and I'm, and I'm not going to break out of it. And 
life is going to pass you by. Well, and it's those disruptor companies that are, that are challenging the marketplace and they're challenging mm-hmm. the way things have always been done. Right, I mean, yeah. and I, I always just continue to go back to that Uber model of say Uber. like, okay, this is how cab companies have always operated. And it was the standard status quo of the market. And they said, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. And it, it's a better experience and it doesn't have to be more expensive necessarily always. Right. You know, I think people associate change or new business models with cost or something just radically different. And it's, it's sometimes it's not. You know, I was having an argument this week. I was at a, a conference earlier part of this week and on Twitter, they were talking about why why is it so hard for organizations to embrace social media? I mean, honestly, it's still even in this day and age, hospitals are still struggling with social media, if they use it or not, and you know how to participate in it. And someone on Twitter said, well, it's larger organizations that just can't adapt to this. It's just too much. It's too disruptive. It's too different. And they're just scared of it. They don't want to learn. You know, And I put out a counterposition, so I'm not sure if I'm combating you on this, Chris, or come, coming in from a different angle. But from my point is, it's, I don't think it's the size of the organization that matters. I think it's the willingness of the people within the organization to actually embrace some of those things that are new. So I guess I am in alignment with you, what you were saying. Right? I don't know what the hell to you're talking about. <laughs> to be disruptive, and that, can, that disruption can happen for the size of any organization. Well, yes. and I think there's a little bit of um, kind of socializing within the agencies or within the companies to get, and getting, you know, gaining that, gaining your leadership um, input and drive, you know, adoption for it. So like having those conversations at the water cooler, like, you know, really putting your ideas, you know, pen to paper and kind of continuing to gain uh, momentum, like Mm -hmm. internally in your organization and advocate for things that you know are going to help, you know, your company grow, help you reach your audiences like social media. And I think when you, that, that sometimes it is key to have that leadership adoption and that leadership drive. Mm -hmm. Um, So if they're believers you can make them believers in, in what you think will work or, you know, the channels that you think are um, where your audience lives, which we face it, lots of people live on social media, um, then I think that's, that's key. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I like, I like these ideas about how do you, how do you stay up on, on, you know, on, on the forefront. For me, I also have just a general curiosity of things that are new. Yes. And maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's weird, but I, I think that for me, I always see things that, ha- that happen and, and it always fascinates me. Like, how did all of a sudden did you know, Netflix suddenly take over everything? And now there's no longer Blockbuster. I mean, that's just a bad example. But, you know, I, I mean, it's clear when you look at it, right, about what happens and these disruptions. To me, I've always been naturally curious as to how things evolve, how things change. And because I think that we have to deal with change. Change is happening all the time. And how do you, you know, if you're not understanding the, the factors that are driving the change, then you, like you said, right? You got to grow or die. Yeah, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. That's actually that's yeah. the motto of our CEO. I mean, you'll hear Brandon Edwards say that a lot, and that's one thing I've learned from him is that, you know, you, comfortable is great in in some respects, right? But I mean, then you're not evolving, then you're not growing, and I think that goes for you personally as a business, mm-hmm. you know, as a service provider. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to be able to understand the latest and greatest things that are happening out there and how you can leverage them for a better you know, experience for um, your teams and for yourself and then for, you know, your like the folks that you are buying your service or engaging with your company or your, you know, right. coming to your hospital. Right. Right. Nice. Nice conversation. <laughs> <laughs> did we lose you, Chris? You did. You lost me because We're I'm just going to put things. this out here right now. I just got a text from my daughter that she's, she's 13 and she's home alone. Oh, no. Fine. But the toilet's overflowing. Oh, oh no. In the upstairs bathroom. 
That's like drama. That's a disruptor. That's that is a disruptor. disruptor. <laughs> that will disrupt a lot of things, including my flooring. Structural the, integrity. Plumbing. Structural integrity of the house. But she's all over it. She's, it's all covered. We're all good. But that was a little crisis I had to deal with. So you whatever you guys crisis. said, I'm sure was just brilliant. <laughs> and your toilet is better. And my toilet's better, yeah. That's so good. there's your... Um, there's our podcast title, and my toilet's better. <laughs> All right, so last thing before we go, because yeah. Jessica, if you're going to get the full podcast experience, you got to have some fun. Right. So we were trying to dive into cultural things. You you admitted that you don't, you're not a screen person, so you're not big on TV or movies, but you do like reading. Yes. So what book are you? Let's go around and, and talk. Okay. We'll start with Jessica. What book are you reading right now, and why? So I book talk with Jessica Blackburn. Reading. <laughs> Um, the E-Myth Revisited. And I it's, love um, that book. I think it's a great, oh, really? like I secretly have this um, entrepreneurial spirit and I'm really interested in how businesses grow and run. And um, so part of a little mastermind group and they decided to read it. And I was like, yeah, I'll just jump in that. And I feel like I've learned some really uh, helpful things about how businesses get um, systematic yes. about what they do and their approach. And that it doesn't doesn't necessarily just need to have these few key people and they're the only people within organization that know how to hold things together or make things happen, that you can create business models with the right processes and the right, you know, innovations and you've got your leaders that are keeping up with the marketplace, but within your company you can create um, these processes that keep things running, keep things smooth, make sure that experience end to end is always the same mm -hmm. for your clients, um, which I think is really important. There's these great little stories in it and clips like, you know, went to this barber shop and got this haircut and the, the folks were really friendly. But each time I went, like I got a different like outcome, you know, and, and so and folks are scared of that. Like they yeah, want this predictable, yeah, reliable service. And I think that just translates to so many things so well. And uh, so I find I find the book to be a very easy read, and I just pick up all these nuggets of information. That book is old. I mean, that it, book it, was formative for me in building my own agency. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's because a classic. It's, so I hear it's really about how entrepreneurs need to move beyond the practice of whatever it is they do, dry cleaning, mm -hmm. design, whatever, and learn how to run a business. Yeah, and it is about codifying as much as you can. It doesn't mean that you codify creativity like in our business right. or strategy. You can't, but you can codify the process and you can codify the expectations. You can codify a lot, which generates that consistency that you need to have a successful business. You can't be profitable unless you can consistently repeat what it is you do well. Mm -hmm. right. Otherwise, it's a complete crapshoot. Right. It's a great book. Great book. Good one. Well, wow. Yeah, good, That's a good one. Good nice. synopsis over there. Yeah, I wrote that down. It's one to read. It is. It's a quick read. Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. Boyer, what do you got going on? <clears throat> um, the book I'm so I, I read both fiction and nonfiction because I just you need to give your brain a break. Um, but from a nonfiction perspective, this is a book that people have been talking about for a while, and I finally picked it up as an ebook and reading it. How to measure every, uh, how to measure anything, and it's basically a philosophy around uh, how you can you can use measurement and, and create measurement principles to measure things that seem intangible. Um, I, I just started the book. I'm about a chapter, and it's very dense. It's like a, it's almost like a textbook, right? But that's okay. I don't mind reading those those kinds of things. Yeah. But um, it, there's there's a lot of different approaches where you can like do the rule of five, where you can look at a five percent sample size measurement to determine uh, a predictive of what the larger what the larger uh, approach would be. How to develop different types of measurement strategies, particularly when you're dealing with things that are intangible. Um, the other thing about the book, the guy says right up front, it's like he he really strongly believes that digital is is a good digital tools are a great way to measure stuff. And you know what? So that ties back to what my 
my worldview is, yeah. right? That you can you can measure anything online, um, which is a good and a bad thing. But um, so it's it's kind of interesting. Really, really fun book I'm looking into, and uh, uh, you know, I know that this has been kind of codified by a lot of people that I know and respect. They're using this as part of their measurement strategies now moving forward. Love that. That's definitely going on my list because as a marketer, like I don't want to work against, I don't want to work on campaigns that I feel like aren't measurable, right? That I can't directly derive, you know, ROI from or make sure that they're producing. But then I do always feel that there is some intangibles sometimes when you talk about creating awareness. So, Well, you know, and it brings up things that that I know that all of us have talked about for a while and Chris particularly because you wrote a book about measurement too. Mr. Bevelo many years ago. You wrote several books. Uh, yeah. But, um, you know, it's like and not to measure things that you can't affect, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, to determine why you're measuring things and before you even start to measure them. I think that a lot of people go into it and just start measuring willy-nilly. So it's going to be interesting. It's something that I really want to, you know, I do like to apply. I'm, I'm a guy who likes to measure a lot. So anyway, okay. how nerdy is that? Yeah, that's pretty nerdy. Big old nerd. <laughs> What do you got going on, Adam? Uh, well, much like uh, Chris and yourself, and I think, and Jessica, did you say you like um, fiction and nonfiction, or are you kind of in one camp more than the other? I'm definitely more nonfiction because I feel like there are so many hours in the day, and they're all jam-packed, <laughs> and I'm like, if I'm going to read it, it's got to be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I love magazines. That'd probably be my other kind of... Okay, yeah. okay. I used to be very much in that camp, too, and then mm-hmm. I started reading some fantasy fiction, and I was like, oh, I absolutely love this. It. feeding my brain. I need it. Um, so I still do a, fa- a fair amount. I read a fair amount of fiction. Um, but what, what I'm reading right now, the nonfiction that I'm reading, um, is a rereading a book that I read a long time ago because it's been revised a couple times since, but it's The Design of Everyday Things. There's a new oh, kind wow. of expanded version of that that's came out probably, I mean, it wasn't this year or last year. I think it might have been two years ago, um, just to adapt more to the, um, you know, the digital age. Uh, so that is a fantastic book. It's just about, you know, analyzing everyday things and things, what, what things that are designed well, why are they designed well, what makes them designed well, and how can you take away, um, how can you evaluate things? How can you take away principles from those things that are designed well or designed poorly? And what is it that makes it designed, you know, poorly and and frustrating to use, but it's a great book that is, I think it's a part of a curriculum for a number of different courses. And I I have, I have, um, friends who are like, you know, software engineers, um, who, read that book as, as part of their software engineering courses. So it's not just kind of design related necessarily, but it's about thinking and evaluating and, and being able to kind of look at things analytically. Does um, it have pictures? It does have pictures, <laughs> um, but it's, but it's pretty, de- it's a lot of like words. It, pretty you know, dense. like when I think about, no, when I think about design and perspective, like I, I want a visual yes. to go along with yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the examples in there are things that you would be able to identify with. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay. And you're like, yes, that is why it's awesome. Or yes, that is why that is a very frustrating thing. Um, on the fiction front, uh, actually reading a number of graphic novels with my five-year-old to trying to really get him into loving to read. Um, which he is really loving to That's read awesome. with me anyway. So, yeah. yeah. So we've been a number of those. Okay. I'm going to break the mold. I'm not going to talk about business because I'm not reading any business books right now. I'm reading fiction and nonfiction. So fiction real quickly. I'm starting Game of Thrones again. Ooh. I should reread it too. Because now that I've seen After the, you've watched all the shows. I read all the books, then watched all the shows, and now I'm going back, and I feel like I already I've only been in like two chapters, and I feel like I'm getting – that's commitment. 10 times more out of it. Yeah. Because I understand the context. They're, you know, it's kind of like going back to school after you've already been working like a full time job. It's like all of a sudden. It all, like it's all so clear. <laughs> that is such a good analogy. Yeah. So, so I'm doing that. And I'm also like, 
when I was reading the books, I was trying to get through them quickly enough so I wouldn't be behind in the in the show. Now I'm just taking my time and I'm enjoying all the pros and yeah, and it's thick, but I'm really liking it. So um, that's what I'm in now. And then I have a book that I can't wait to start, which is called How to Raise an Adult. If you guys heard this, oh, ah. it's by a Stanford PhD, and it's all about parenting and helicopter parenting, and everybody's talking about how to raise a kid, and really should be talking about how to raise an adult. And this is very relevant to me because um, I'm dealing with some things with my kids. I have to tell this boy. Can I tell the story real quick? Yes, you can. So this is an example of how not to raise an adult. My daughter was at a sleepover with about 10 girls, end of school year. And the next day, some of the girls went one way, some of the girls went another way. These are sixth graders. And some of the girls got upset because they thought they were being ditched, blah, 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 blah. Sixth grade girl stuff, Right. So the mom of one of the daughters decides to text my daughter. And this, what I'm going to read to you, I'm going to blame the names, is the first (laughs) of dozens of texts between this mom, who's got to be in her 40s, and my 12-year-old daughter. This is how it starts. My daughter's name is Callie. Callie, this is blank's mom. Blank did not get Megan in trouble. I'm very good friends with her parents. You guys are the ones that went to her house. I really don't appreciate hosting you guys at my house. And then four pans of Rice Krispie treats, four pizzas, <laughs> five bowls of chips, and 50 pancakes later, really you immediately this. leave my house, ditch her, and cause drama. I have talked with Blank's parents tonight, and Blank has talked to Blank. Everything is completely fine between our families. Quit texting crap you know nothing about. What the? Yeah, the that is text to- number one. Beachless, and this honestly. is from an adult, not only an adult, but a parent. Yes. This and is... basically the, the text exchange <sighs> was an argument between this mom and my daughter. My daughter's like trying to defend herself. And the mom was like saying, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like literally arguing with the 12-year-old. Oh, no. And I won't get into how we dealt with it. It was all dealt with and fine, and the, and the outcome was fine. Um, this is why everybody should have to read How to Raise an Adult. Because as soon as I get me some kids, I'm going to read that book. <laughs> Holy buckets. This is what yeah. you have to deal with, yes, when your kids get older. I'm not Adam. even a parent, and I think I know that that is not the appropriate um, oh, that's yeah, inappropriate scenario there. So many levels. Yes. So anyway, I just had to get that off my chest because I've been trying to share that story. And I think if I did it blind, nobody will know. And I'm going to check that out. I've got a couple of parenting books that I've been slowly reading over time. One of which is actually sometimes recommended like in management courses, but it's called How to Speak So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Speak. Hmm. It's that like, might be applicable. It's, not, it's, it's, it's like perfect for talking to anybody, really. It's all about, it's about like listening and acknowledging that, the, that, that you've heard what's being said before you respond to it, even if you're going to respond to it in a you know, contrarian way. Acknowledge that you've heard it right. and that, you've actually, that you understand it and that you hear that person. Um, what was the other one? Something like the child children dilemma or something like that. I, yeah. I actually read, um, and I don't know which Freakonomics piece or study it was, but there's like a, there's this quote out there that's basically like, if you just buy the parenting books, you're you're even that much further ahead of the curve than somebody that if you buy the book, never read it, your kids are gonna are that much further ahead of the curve than the folks that never buy the book. So that's what I reassure my friends that are parents. I'm like, as long as you bought the book, I mean, you're already on the right track. Well, what I will say, we'll wrap it up on this. 
is that just shows that you care about being a parent, which is more than half the battle being a parent. But if somebody goes out there and goes, you know what, I'm going to be a good parent by just going and buying a bunch of books. (laughs) If they're like trying to like circumnavigate the the why you would buy the books, they get home and take a. If you intend to read them but never get to them, I think sometimes these parents seem a little overwhelmed. So I'm just trying to give them some positive reinforcement. All right, so we better wrap up. We've been long winded. This was a super long podcast. Super long. That's all right. Super long, but it's good content. Forty five minutes. Long form is good. Parenting advice, personalization advice. Right. Man, this is. Don't forget Joe Public retreats. Joe Public parenting personalization. Austin, (laughs) you're going to Austin. Austin. Which doesn't start with P, but that's okay. <laughs> so I'm going to wrap it up. Can I do that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for Healthcare Marketing Underground, this is Chris Bevelo. Adam Meyer. Chris Boyer. Jessica Blackburn. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks, everybody, for joining Thanks us. Thanks for having me. Bye.